8.36. My parents live one mile away from Yasper's farm. One mile. 8.36 on your Thursday morning. Uh, we have an important guest hopping on here right now. He is the HHS Secretary, Alexander Azar, taking time out of his busy day to hop on with Bernie and Sid. Mr. Azar, good Thursday morning. How are you? That it's great to be with you and your listeners. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. Uh, listen, you. I, I do want to get uh, right off the bat, though, to a story that the Wall Street Journal ran in late February where they did talk about, you know, you all of a sudden you're not uh, up there on stage anymore. You're not. Mike Pence is getting a lot of the airtime, and you're not. Now, I know President Trump has voiced his confidence in you and the job that you've done, but you have been kind of inconspicuously, inconspicuously quiet the last couple of months. What is really going on with your role in this epidemic? Oh, still very active. I lead a $1.4 trillion department that's at the center of this. Uh, and with FEMA now being the leader sh- in the leadership, which is what is sh- should happen under the National Response Plan with a national emergency like this, essentially most of my teams and I are working to support FEMA, which coordinates all of the leadership. What we're trying to do in terms of media is make sure the voices that people want to hear from are out there. So these are our clinicians, this is Tony Fauci and Deborah Burks and... Dr. Hahn and Dr. Redfield and the Surgeon General, because we want to make sure that people are hearing the exact same scientific and medical evidence and information that I'm hearing from them as we make decisions and that the President of the United States is hearing. It's part of radical transparency. It's important at a time like this that, that people hear directly from these leading scientists. You know, uh, uh, HHS uh, Secretary Alexander Azar on the Bernie and Sid Show on 77 WABC. Sir, uh, the President this is day 17 of the national uh, this shutdown, essentially, and the president has extended the whole thing till April 30th. Now, that was based, initially, it was based on uh, models that told us, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the mortality, mortality rate was 2 to 4%. They have now take, take, taken that down a lot. So, and that, that would have meant millions of people dead. Now they're saying they're projecting 100,000 to 240,000. I mean, how, how can we trust these models if, uh, you know, we have those wide variations, those kinds of swings in numbers? Well, that's why it's important not to put over-reliance on any one particular model, because uh, a model is only as good as the assumptions and input that goes into it, and that's why we look at a range of them. Uh, they don't change our actions. Our actions are we've got to slow the spread through the president's first 15 days and now the 30 additional days to slow the spread. It's that social distancing we keep from each other. We reduce contact. We practice proper personal hygiene. We telework. We telecommute for uh, for school, et cetera. Um, those are the things that are going to slow this down. And we we should see in the next several days the data uh, as those as those measures take, have been taking effect, we should be seeing whether we've been able to bend the curve in places like New York, as we've done in Seattle and Santa Clara County. Uh, because, of course, with disease like this, we're looking in the rearview mirror always. It's got about a 14-day maximum incubation period. So you're looking almost two weeks backwards when you see your current data. So it'll take a while to see those effects. But I, if I could just say, I wanted to say something to the folks in New York and the New York metro area. I just, I personally want to thank our health care providers, our doctors and nurses, but I especially want to thank the unsung heroes of health care, which are 
our the, the cleaning staff and the the orderlies, you know, the people that deliver the food in our hospitals, yes. the folks just supporting to make the work of our doctors and nurses possible. They're all in harm's way. We owe them a huge debt of gratitude, and these are our heroes uh, in the New York metro area. No question about it. Department of uh, Health and Human Services Secretary Alexander Azar. I want to talk to you about this uh, this drug, of course, the anti-malarial drug, which is getting uh, so much talk. Dr. Raz, again on Fox News just a moment ago, talking about how he believes this drug really does work. Donald Trump, of course, the president, has talked about that. And yet in our state here in New York, which you just uh, gave nice uh, words to, the governor, who's done a very good job, has written an executive order uh, not allowing doctors to prescribe it. So uh, you talked about Dr. Stephen Hahn. I had him on the show two weeks ago. Of course, he's the head of the FDA. He's approved this drug now. What are your thoughts on hydrochloroquine? Well, we don't have firm evidence proving that it's safe and effective for COVID-19, but the but it's a drug that's been on the market for decades uh, for anti-malaria and other treatments. And so as a matter of federal law, doctors, we don't regulate the practice of medicine. Doctors are free to prescribe and use hydroxychloroquine uh, for any purpose. Uh, we're working to actually try to gather the data to support if we could prove that it's actually effective. but How, how long it. will that take? How long will you, does it take to get all that data? Because I understand now between France, Oklahoma, these sample sizes are very, very small. Yeah, they're very small. Um, we're going to see, I'm sure, a lot of use in the United States given all the publicity that it's gotten. Um, this will be, these are not what we call randomized clinical trials, which is the firm proof where you have somebody takes it, someone doesn't, it's blinded who's getting a sugar pill and who's getting this. It's more what we call real-world evidence. So what we're doing is collecting the data from any doctors who are using it in treatment, and we'll see if we get enough of a signal there of efficacy uh, to support uh, broader recommendations of use. But right now, this is the right to try, President. We've got the supplies out there, and we're just making sure that w- that doctors know they're free to use this if they would like to as a matter of federal law. Well, except for, uh, to b- b- back to that question, that the governor here has signed an executive order. The president's touting it. Uh, the sub- studies are promising. Dr. Oz, the French study was 100% success rate. But the governor has signed an executive order saying to doctors, do not prescribe hydroxychloroquine. I mean, is that sound policy on his part? Or do you know why he's doing it? Is there some underlying reason why the governor would do something like that? I mean, if you're dying of, of uh, uh, COVID-19, you would want that drug right now as a last resort, I would think. I, and I don't know the basis for his conclusion there. Um, we generally don't regulate what doctors can use among approved medicines. Um, there may be a concern about supply, uh, but we've actually worked to secure, uh, we just announced that we've been able to secure 30 million doses of this approved medicine here for the United States. Because this is an important medicine. Uh, there are people who are lupus patients uh, that are very dependent on that. So we do want to make sure that, that those people whose, whose very lives do in fact depend on access to yeah chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine have access to that. That may be part of what the governor's thinking, but we're trying to get additional supplies available. Yeah, I wonder if his brother was deathly ill. Chris, who does have the virus, if he was deathly ill, if, if uh, Andrew would allow him to use that drug, maybe a different story. Anyway, back here with uh, HHS Secretary Alexander Azar. One quick note here, Alexander, hold on here. The jobless claim number did come out. It was 3.3 million last week. 
it doubled this week, 6.6 million. Wow. That is a huge number. That is a huge number. And I got to tell you, Alexander, you know, we talk about the, the virus and what it does to people, the medical and, and the, the vaccines and the pills and, and the, you know, the social distancing. But even something like that, that number I just introduced to the audience, 6.6 million jobless claims. What that does to the human psyche, the folks that are home right now that are out of work, the depression, the anxiety, the, you know, the percentage of suicides we may see, there is a whole psychological aspect to this virus that we don't talk enough about and numbers like I just gave out that could be deadly in this country well you're right and that's why it's really important we also think about the public health impacts of the social and economic disruption for the reasons that you just laid out And those are the kinds of tough calls the president has to address as he sits with his economic and public health advisors is that that economic the economic uh, uh, impacts they have a real a real impact here also on health, uh, just as social distancing and the virus uh, has an impact on health and it 's all got to be considered that 's why these are very, very difficult calls for him, for our governors, for our mayors, as they decide what actions to take here there 's not a single right answer and that 's why we 've tried to be flexible and science and evidence based and how's uh, the rapid testing? Uh, HHS Secretary Alexander Azar on the Bernie and Sid Show on 77 WABC. Uh, this company called Abbott, apparently they have this uh, the Visa method where you can test and get the results in 15 minutes, maybe five minutes from what I understand. I mean, how soon can we get that to the people? Because if we can identify people who have had the disease and survived it, they can go back into the workforce and the, especially the medical professionals. How quickly can we get that out to the people? So you're right, it is a very important advance. It's a historic advance. You know, in weeks, Abbott has been able to get this rapid test developed and approved. This is the piece of equipment that if you go to your doctor's office to get a flu test or a strep test, that's where that, that's where that would normally go. The CEO said normally this would have taken six to nine months to do, and it's been uh, developed and approved by FDA in just weeks. So now the big issue is Abbott scaling up production of those cartridges that are needed to test. Um, it's not high-throughput testing, though, so it's individualized. It's a bit slower, so this is not like the big Roche and Abbott high-throughput testing that Quest and LabCorp are doing that have delivered us now 1.2 million uh, samples tested in the United States. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're testing tons of people, more than any other country on Earth at this point, um, and uh, but we, we're working with Abbott to get their supplies out there as quickly as possible and get those units deployed in the settings where they can add the most value. That may not necessarily be a primary care or a pediatrician's office at this point, but perhaps other sites where those could be best used. You know, Alexander, I'm always fascinated, intrigued by when we have situations like this. The general public, for example, if you were to pull a guy off the street in New York City and say, hey, what does the CDC do every day? Hey, what does FEMA do every day? Hey, what does HHS do every day? I'm telling you, I don't care how learned the guy is, he would not have an answer for you. But now, all of a sudden, we're talking about you guys every single day, along with social distancing and this and that. So for the folks out there that all of a sudden, you are part of the vernacular, part of the discussion every single day, what do you guys do day in and day out? Every single day, what is your job? Well, what do we do is we're working to enhance and protect the health and well-being of all Americans every single day. Our CDC is the world-leading epidemiological organization. What that means is they, they're the disease detectives. They, they track down disease, work to hunt it out, 
and then work to prevent it and stamp it out. That's what CDC does. We've got our National Institutes of Health, which I'm privileged to also lead. That's where we do so much of the discovery and development of novel therapeutics and vaccines. In fact, that's where the, the first vaccine to go into trial in the United States was invented three days after we got the Chinese sequence. We have the Food and Drug Administration, which regulates all drugs, diagnostics, devices in the United States. Um, it regulates one quarter of all consumer goods sold in the United States. That's just some of what we do here at HHS. Another promising, uh, perhaps, uh, treatment for coronavirus is this blood plasma treatment. Yeah. Uh, how, where are we? How soon can we have this uh, you know, in practice, uh, Alexander Azar, HHS secretary? So here's how that works if it's called convalescent plasma. So an individual who's gotten the disease and recovered from it, their body has produced these antibodies, the attacking uh, mechanisms that have cured them, basically. You extract the plasma that has those antibodies, purify it, and then you give that to somebody who is currently suffering coronavirus, essentially supercharging the immune system of that individual. This is a fairly old technology. You know, this was used back during the 1918 flu. Uh, it was used during SARS. So there's a long history of this being a very effective type of treatment. We've got this in trials right now. Uh, and so we need folks uh, to, to New Yorkers. Um, as you recover from coronavirus, we ask you, please, uh, volunteer, make yourself available to be part of these clinical trials, um, connecting with Red Cross and other blood donation centers uh, so that you can be part of curing other people mm. you haven't come through this. Uh, and we'll see, where, we'll see if this proves to be the case. I'm, I'm hopeful about it, but we need to see the results in the data to prove That's why testing is so important, right. to, to, to know if somebody actually had it, recovered yeah. from it. I mean, no, nobody knows. You, you thought you might have had a cold. You might have had the coronavirus, but we need a test to determine that. Yeah, that's called a serum test, and so we're getting those out. That's, uh, we've got many manufacturers. We're try Some of them are out on the market already because we've created a lot of regulatory flexibility. We're working to validate to make sure that those really do tell us if somebody had it and is now recovered. But you're right, Bernie, that's, that's, that's going to be the name of the game in the future is can we see if who's got it? who's recovered from it now maybe is likely immune from it. The last one, you know, listen, you're tremendous. This was a terrific conversation. Thank you. You know your stuff, medicine, all that stuff. You're great. Tony Fauci's great. Dr. Burks is great. But I know you said nice things about this man. It's ironic because Bernie and I have touted this guy all day long. He's not a doctor. He is a vice president of the United States, who I don't think most people even knew very much about uh, two months ago. But we believe, and, and reading the comments from you, you tend to agree that maybe of all the people throughout this crisis, the guy that has really stepped up and gained a lot of respect and maybe even love and reverence from Americans is the vice president, Mike Pence. I know you agree. Absolutely. The vice president's taken charge of a whole of government, whole of economy approach. I get to see him. I work with him several hours every day, seven days a week on this. Uh, it's all he's doing. Um, and he's I think what one thing that he's really done is brought the private sector to, to the table because, you know, America conquers things like whether it's World War I or World War II or novel coronavirus by pulling the entire private sector in, they just harnessing the immense power of this historically powerful country. Uh, that happens by leveraging that, and the vice president has really led all of those efforts. And for the most part, while the media canonizes uh, Andrew Cuomo, they ignore the efforts of uh, the great Vice President Mike Pence. Listen, HHS Secretary Alexander Azar on the Bernie and Sid Show, we thank you profoundly. Uh, thank you so much, sir. My pleasure to be with you.